Who cares about your team winning the Super Bowl when your team could win the offseason? My name is Danny Heifetz, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. We cover trades, free agency, the draft, obviously. We cover quarterbacks, and there are a lot of good quarterbacks this year. And the teams at the top of the draft, Washington, New England, Chicago, big teams with big histories. Listen to the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. All right, like Tyler Adams at first team training, we are back. Oh, baby. It is the Ringer Gambling Soccer Show. I'm Steve Drury, as always, joined by the great, the great Paul Carr. Paul, it's been a long time since we saw our boy, but he's back from the hamstring injury, training for Bournemouth. I was reading that yesterday. It was a, it was a good day. It was good to see our guys back. Just seeing a picture of Tyler Adams in my Twitter feed. Like Tyler he's Adams alive. in action, a current picture. Like, I got excited. Like, you almost forget. You don't forget he exists, but he just hasn't been in, especially the U.S. picture for several months, and you haven't seen him play in the Premier League, obviously. It's like, oh, yeah, we got, you know, arguably the most important player on the team could be coming back. So, yeah, very excited. Hoping he gets minutes. We'll be interested to see if he gets called in Nations League. Uh, maybe even just a train. I don't know. But maybe not. Maybe don't fly him across the country, all that stuff. But, yeah, it's exciting to see him back on the field. I did forget about him, so I'm glad he's. Yeah. I'm glad he's back. Like, and honestly, I was like a little nervous there because I'm like, man, do Bournemouth? They kind of like need him too, but Bournemouth, but they've been playing all right. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, a solid, probably lower to mid table team. And our producer Savon wants to point out that it's Poughkeepsie's own Tyler Adams too. That's so right. Put some put some respect on his name. Yep. Uh, so happy to see our guy uh, back in training. Hopefully, yeah, we'll see if he he ends up lacing him up for the U.S. Any, anytime soon with some of the competitions coming up here. All right, rundown for today. We got a big show today, Paul. We got a lot of stuff. So obviously, no Champions League this year, but we will talk a little bit of Champions League, maybe sort of you know, who we like at the midway point of some of these ties, uh, a couple takeaways, including, you know, why you're mad at Arsenal. Yeah. And then I kind of have a big picture thing about whether or not, why are there, why are there no goals anymore? I feel it's like in the champions league. Mm-hmm. So I have a kind of a big picture thing on that, that I'm going to throw at you. We'll do the EPL title race. We'll do the relegation battle. We'll do top four battle. Um, we'll get into speaking of the U S team. We'll get into the men's striker situation. And there's like kind of three guys right now playing pretty well. And there's maybe only two spots. So we want to talk through kind of who, what's our pecking order right now for the, for the U.S. men's uh, starting striker position, who's going to get the call up soon. Um, and then we'll close it out, as always, with our best bets for the weekend. We got a Manchester Derby cut up this weekend, too, which kind of snuck up on us, which isn't necessarily as big anymore now that United seems to be in a mess again. But why don't we Something. start here? Speaking of England, why don't we start here? Carabao Cup final, League Cup <laughs> final, Liverpool, Chelsea. I know we're a couple days late on this, but let's just touch on this quickly because it was nuts. Liverpool yeah. get the win in extra time. Van Dyke goal, a disallowed, controversially disallowed yeah. goal. I hated it personally, Paul. What did you think about that? It was, a, it was basically interference with um, Endo. He was interfering with play and he was offside. I hated it, but what was your thoughts? Same. I mean, what percentage of corner kicks does that happen? Like 90? Yep. Probably. Yeah. 
that I, it never never gets called. Don't feel like it should have been called there. Did it violate the letter of the law? Yeah, probably. But again, every single corner kick, something like that happens. I 100% wholeheartedly agree. I, I think you could, if you really want to nitpick on every single corner and set oh. piece, like you could find something. And that's it's not like, what VAR is for. Yeah, it's like holding in the NFL. There's holding on every single play. And it's just who gets caught. Do you want to call it? How egregious was it? Same thing on corner kicks. There's a foul on every single corner kick, probably on both teams. And there's just some line, invisible line that gets drawn that officials have to decide to call it or not to call it. It seems arbitrary and it kind of is. So, And I, I don't want to turn this into like some big bar discussion yeah. because I'm just kind of tired of it. And yes, Stefan and I, our producer was talking before about just how in sports in general, just all the officiating and refereeing just seems terrible. And maybe it's just because we're more hyper aware. We have maybe yeah. more access to replays. I don't know. But we've always, we've always so. kind of had replays, though. Like, it's not like replay is a new thing. Right. So it just feels like in every sport you watch, there's something always controversial about the refereeing, which is, which is I don't know, that's not why we watch the games. Nope. Um, but I, I would just say it's, it's, not, it's not hard to judge intent in these situations. You know, I, I always say that with red cards, too, um, right. or, you know, handballs in the box. Like, I think it's not hard to judge when a guy's really trying to hand a ball. Right. And, is he reckless or is he not? Yeah. Like so I, I just kind of like, is it clear and obvious? And I just... I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I didn't like it. Either way, Van Dyke scores late. Doesn't matter. Now, Justice. maybe they're a little bit more weary, but they do win. The quadruple is on, Paul. Oh, baby. Um, does, it really, does it really count if it's the Europa League? I guess we could talk about that if we get closer to it. But yeah. maybe the bigger story here is, man, we did our panic rankings last week, and I, maybe we were just too easy on Chelsea, because now I'm just like, did I underestimate how terrible yeah. this is? Because it seems like know. it's, well, it seems like everybody's potch out now. Yeah, that, that's what's weird. This, you know, a lot of cup finals, they end one nil, and you think there were like seven shots total and half an expected goal. This was not one of those finals. Like Chelsea wasn't terrible offensively, at least. Like they had 19 shots, they had over two expected goals. There are plenty of chances. They just didn't finish. You know, if any one of number of guys finishes one single chance, you know, Chelsea might have won that game in regulation fairly easily. Uh, they gave up a lot too. You know, Liverpool had more shots, a little more possession, almost two expected goals of their own. So that's not great. And we know Chelsea's defense is a little bit messy uh, right now, but. To me, like nothing in that game changed my perception other than you know, you didn't win a trophy, which I get is where the Pochino out stuff comes from. But I didn't really see anything in that game that made me change my mind. If anything, the fact that they went toe-to-toe with Liverpool, even though it was a week in Liverpool, I thought was maybe a, a good sign moving forward. Two things. One, I had both teams to score as part of my parlay in that game, which uh, I felt just I absolutely done, done, done hard by, which yeah. was which was brutal. I don't know how that ended up, you know, being obviously scoreless at the end of uh, regular time. And the other thing on on the Chelsea coaching situation, I I get like, do I think Chelsea should be doing better? Yes. Is it all Poch's fault? No. I mean, listen, right. this team sucked. This team sucked late under Tuchel. They were terrible under Graham Potter. Like at some point, it's like. This is, it's, it's you guys. It's not us. It's not the manager. It's you guys. It's right. the players. It's the, who's putting the team together. You know, do I think that this would drastically change if they brought some other kind of like decent manager in? No. Like, I think. No. And who <laughs> are you going to go that, get? You could go get Thomas I mean, Tuchel again? Maybe. Honestly, I actually don't think that would be a terrible <laughs> idea. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. On paper, it's, it's not a bad move. But do they have any money? That was, that was what I was talking about last week is that yeah. they, they kind of, they don't have the money to fire any of these people anymore. Like they're at some point, probably starting next year. The, the bill is going to have to be paid. They're playing these guys eight-year contracts. They're paying like three different head coaches. It's a mess. So I, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Cause I know it's, I know it's kind of old, but man, I just, my, my big takeaway was like, maybe I was too bullish on, on Chelsea's future. Maybe I should have been a little yeah. bit more pessimistic, but you're right. They were at least in a league cup final, but still yep. like, that's a, that was a, that was a Liverpool team right for the take. And they yes. probably should have won that game. Yeah. yeah. Um, all, all right. Now top of the table to teams that actually, you know, are playing well these days and including Liverpool in this. Why don't we do? We haven't really looked at any like the Premier League sort of 
big three, which is the you know the, obviously the, to win the title, the top four, and the and the relegation battle. So let's look at that right now. Let's start with the uh, the, the the winner to win the league. If you had to pick a team, Liverpool or Arsenal, to top Man City to beat them to the title, the odds right now will tell you that Liverpool is plus two thirty, Arsenal or plus three twenty, Man City the favorite, obviously at minus one twenty five. But if I gave you Liverpool or Arsenal, even just like putting the betting stuff aside, yeah, who do you have more confidence in that could actually get it done? Today, I have more confidence in Arsenal, which I can't believe I'm saying, even though they have a you know, two-point deficit to Liverpool. I mean, a lot of this is injuries. If Liverpool were at full strength, they'd probably tilt it back in their favor. But it's also one of those, if I look at, we'll just say the four units on the field in those two teams, offense, defense for each one. Arsenal's defense is what I have the most confidence in of those four, maybe of any unit in the Premier League. Uh, just their ability to shut it down. And in the Premier League, at least, we'll get to Champions League, but in the Premier League, Arsenal's offense has done well. Like their attack is, is great. Uh, they're you know, beating the teams they should beat. They're not arsenaling it up too much. There's still plenty of time. But yeah, if I had to pick one of those two, I would go with Arsenal. Again, some of that's injuries, but Arsenal's defense has just been really good. The way they control the games, don't give up chances, etc. It's been great this season. I wrote down a list of pros and a couple pros and cons for each one. Arsenal pro is, I think they have a better squad. I think their team is just better. Uh, and I think, as you said, I think that they have the best defense in the league. And they yep. control games. Probably one of the reasons that I like them against Porto and I like them in a lot of matches is because they control games. And they obviously let us down against Porto. We'll get to that in a second. Sure. But that is, like, typically if you're looking for a team that's like, all right, I think that this is sustainable for the long haul. Like, right. I think Arsenal is the, uh, the right answer on paper. Yeah. The cons. They do have a history of bottling things. They're okay? Arsenal. I mean, yes. <laughs> they are, they are, they're not Spurs, but they are Arsenal. Um, and... They've kind of been on fire in front of goal recently, but I'm still, I still don't know that I fully trust the attack. I mean, I like them with Trostar kind of in that false nine better than I do really any striker. I still don't really love the Havertz thing. I like him more as like when they implement as an eight than like the actual right, get, nine get or false back. nine. Yeah. Whereas Liverpool, I, I just trust their attack more and I, I trust Klopp more. Um, for Liverpool pros, I wrote, I think they have the best manager in the world. Yep. Uh, in my opinion, I think they do. They've done it before. There's also a little bit of like a last dance to this team, you know, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Klopp thing, you know, and that, I think you saw it in the Carabao Cup final and obviously the quadruple's on and, and Van Dyke seems like this will probably be his last year with Liverpool as well. It does seem like there's something kind of weirdly special building there. And this is, again, yeah. this is stuff that you can't really quantify, but I, that you, you see it when you watch the team. They're also not playing in the Champions League. Now they're playing in the Europa League, but it's less taxing. And they're also, because of that, going to likely be playing mostly later than Arsenal and City because they'll be playing on Sundays likely. So yeah, they'll, be, they'll, know, they'll know results. My cons for Liverpool were their injuries are just insane. I, it feels like they have a thousand people out all the time, mm-hmm. and they are definitely overachieving right now when it yes. when, when you look at the numbers. Yes. So, I I think on paper it's Arsenal. So like my my head would say Arsenal, my heart says Liverpool. Yeah, the numbers just the numbers back you up. So Liverpool's uh, expected goal difference are about eleven and a half goals above where they should be based on the expected goals numbers, which just suggests that you know they're finishing well and their opponents are not, and, and Arsenal's actually. They're just running a little bit positive. So Arsenal's numbers are all better uh, from an underlying standpoint so far this season. They're the best in the league on the whole so far this year. So yeah, Liverpool's running a little bit hot, and it's hard to see that continuing just in general, but especially with all the guys that they have out. I'm going to say Liverpool as much as it hates me. Like I, you know, As an Everton guy, I don't, I don't sit here and like root for Liverpool or good things to happen to them. Yeah. Um, although I did, uh, it was a ball-don't-lie situation in the Carabao Cup. Like I wasn't yes. even mad about that when that happened. Yep. And I do like Klopp. Like I, I, oh, yeah. you know, like it's hard. It's hard not to like Klopp. I think he complains all the time, and I think he, yeah. you know, I, I don't love that. But I think he's, like I said, I think he's the best manager in the yep. world. So if I'm saying like I have to like 
gun to my head, I got to pick one of these teams to, to to do it. I actually think I would slightly give the Liverpool the edge in this one, even though I, I understand the Arsenal yep. argument. 100%. Yeah, I don't hate it. The narrative thing is strong. Again, how do you quantify it? I don't know, but it is, is strong. It's just so much do it for Klopp, win one for Klopp type of stuff. And Van Dyke, like you said, you want to throw him in. Yeah, I would go with Arsenal. Again, just I trust the defense more than anything else. And that I think also last year, you know, we say they choked, whatever. They just got crushed by injuries. Like they were fine to the whole mm-hmm. back line. Just got hurt in the last, yep. you know, was it March? And that was, there's just such a clear fall off that I think if I'm, you know, in the locker room, Arteta, you're like, look, that wasn't us the last two months of the season. Us was the first, you know, 30 games of the season. And that's what we're doing again. So I feel like even though there was a fall off, there's such an easily explicable reason that it almost shouldn't count, even though it is Arsenal and they've done this several times over the years. That's a great point. Uh, speaking of fall offs, there's a large fall off between the top three teams. Yeah. And I think the, 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 whoever else is fighting for that that final Champions League spot, the, the fourth spot. Um, let's go, th- go through that right now. So right now on the table, Villa are in fourth. They're, uh, what, on 52 points. And they've got a game in hand on Tottenham, who are on, who are on 47 points. And you've got Manchester United, who have 44 points, who are at 26. So Tottenham has a game in hand on, on basically everybody else that I'm talking about here. But 44 points for United, 39 for Brighton, uh, West Ham getting to 39, Wolves 38. Newcastle 37, Chelsea 35. I don't I don't know that we want to go down that far, but I'll, I'll read yeah. them off just for just for for namesake. Yeah. It's probably between Villa and Spurs, right? Villa's minus 110 to finish top 4 and finish in that last Champions League spot. Spurs is plus 110. Spurs do have a slightly easier schedule, but they do have to go to Villa, I believe in 2 weeks. So that's going to be just an absolutely massive result yeah, in be, this. So I guess whoever you think um, you know, probably comes out of that is probably going to be in the driver's seat to take this thing home. But is, is there anybody else, Paul? Can I talk into anybody else kind of sneaking in there? Because I think um, you're shaking your heads. I, I nah. kind of agree with you, but I just want to throw it out there. So you're, you're basically between those two teams. I mean, I'd love to see my Brighton top four long shot from before the season get home. But they're not. I don't think they're going to make up, you know, what, 13 points or so on Villa. Yeah, I don't. I mean, Manchester United, and we'll get to them. But I think even where they're at is a little bit smoke and mirrors. Um, yeah, there's just nobody beyond that that's interesting to me. I think minus 110 is a pretty good price on Aston Villa, to be honest. I mean, I agree. look at the numbers pulling up they're pretty clearly the fourth best team in the league by any underlying numbers tottenham has been the most overachieving team compared to expected goal difference this year they're about 14 goals above so actual goal difference is plus 14 their expected numbers underneath are zero ball love it yeah i mean yeah there's something to a style and getting ahead and things like that so you know it's not a black and white type of number but that's a pretty huge discrepancy uh to have this late in the season i think bill's just a lot better i think they've got you know it's not just the Ollie Watkins show. You got Bailey and company who are there doing things as well. So they've got different options. And you know, they just, they've handled especially bad teams. They've done what they've had to do. So I, I like Villa. I think minus one ten is a pretty good price. Uh, you know, almost a coin flip at this point when they are, you know, five points clear, even though Spurs have a game in hand. I think minus one ten is pretty solid for Villa. My preseason predictions, I was pretty hit or miss. I was not as high in Villa as everybody else was. I still had them, I think, finishing seventh in my table. So it's not like I'm that far off. But I didn't. I just didn't think they were ready to take that next step. Yeah, they ran hot toward the end of last. They played well and ran well last year. Yeah, I wasn't and, sure how sustainable that was. They had to take. They had to take a step from even where they finished the year, and they've done that so far. And let's be honest, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. I think they played well. I think you're right. They are like the fourth best team mm-hmm. as, as to this point in the season. I think that's a fair spot on the table. But they're benefiting from a lot of teams being down, right? United's sure. down, Brighton's down, Newcastle's down, Chelsea's obviously way down. Even right. Tottenham's kind of has been weird. Although I was higher than Tottenham on most coming into the season. I think I had Tottenham finishing sixth or something 
And when I tweeted it out, a bunch of people were like, you're an idiot. They lost Harry Kane. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, like, it, this is like a Ewing theory thing. The team wasn't that bad. Yeah. They hated Antonio Conte. Like, I, I actually don't think this is this is as dire as people think it is. No right. pun intended with Eric solid, Dyer going off to uh, coming in. Yeah. Yeah. No pun intended there with Eric Dyer I got uh, leaving I get the it. team. You like that? Yeah. Didn't even do that on purpose. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think the minus one ten. I think, I think, I think Villa's kind of the better team, and I trust them just mm-hmm. a little bit more. I mean, United's plus nine hundred. United was probably the team I was the most wrong about coming into the season. They're just a mess. I mean, yep. Anthony looks like he's going to get sold. They're, they're dealing with a bunch, a bunch of injuries. I just don't, I just don't trust them. I had them no, finishing no second ball. I think I'm so. I thought, I thought when they got Onana that they were going to be able to play like the type of, of, you know, of, of, um, of game style that. Ten Hag wanted to play with like, you know, having sort of a sweeper keeper and him yeah. with the ball at his feet. I really liked Onana was so good at Inter. It was great. And it just feels like whenever guys go to United, they just they just play like two or three levels below what they're actually capable of. And they have right. going somewhere else and having success. So I probably bought too much into the United hype. I would not buy. I, I, just, I don't think there's any no. chance that they finish top I, I four. Mean, I don't. Yeah, there's nobody else interesting down the table. I think it's Villas to lose. And like I said, minus 110, I think it's a pretty good price at this point. All right, speaking of down the table, let's do the, the relegation odds then to close this thing out. Um, you got Sheffield United at the bottom sitting at 13 points, tied with Burnley, but Burnley ahead on goal difference with 13 points. Then you've got Luton, who have been scrappy. Uh, they, they, they could score some goals. Like Ross Barkley has had sort of like a renaissance of, of, of his career, which is, which is good to see as a, as a former Everton guy and an Everton fan myself. Um, they're at 20 points. Nottingham Forest, 24. Brentford, 25. And then Everton, 25, getting four points back from that 10-point deduction. So they go from basically tied on goal differential to go down to, you know, they went from, what, 17 to 15. Then you've got Crystal Palace and Bournemouth at 28 points. I don't think they're really in this. Um, what do you make here? I mean, I think we both think Burnley and Sheffield are done, right? There's yeah. no chance. Luton's shown signs of life. But, yeah, they haven't been, I mean, all underlying numbers, those three are the worst three teams in the league this year, and it's not very close. Like, expect the goal difference minus 20-plus for all three of those, and no one else is over about minus 13. So there's definitely a gap there. Uh, Forrest has been you know, running not so well. I, I mean, on like the eye test to me, feels like they could easily fall into that, and you can get you know decent-plus money on them, which sounds good, but their underlying numbers suggest that they're running a little bit cold and could easily just kind of bounce back and be fine, too. So... I don't see anything that I really like from a price standpoint to go beyond those bottom three. I think, you know, it's, I think this will be the second time in the Premier League era that the bottom three are the same three that just got promoted. So mm-hmm. I think that's what it looks like right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll be rooting for Luton, to be honest with you, because everyone had them as like yeah. the, the, the absolute slam dunk. I've told the story about my buddy having them at like minus 200, putting yeah. 200 bucks on that, which is he's going to sweat that out. I, I, I don't think they ulti- right now they're minus 175 to go down. I actually don't think that's a terrible price because I do think they ultimately do go down. Yeah. Forest is the interesting one. You're right. They've yep. been playing terribly. Um, they also, Everton and Forest together now have an, Everton has another charge that they're going to have to fight here for a potential points deduction. But Forest are also wrapped up in that as well. So there's a good chance that those two teams also lose points mm. from, from the FA, which, I mean, we'll have to see. So maybe there's something there. Because right now, Forest is plus 175 to go down. So if you're saying, hey, I'm going to bank in the fact that they might lose like four or five points here coming up, right. that's going to that, be huge. Yeah. yeah, that's. I think you're almost betting on that as much as... Uh, than actually on the field, you know, earning it or, or not earning it. I mean, would the FA really make that decision, you know, with eight games left in the season or so, eight to ten? Oh, I think they would do it. They, <laughs> yeah, sure. It's just, it's just Forrest. It's all right. Yeah. As long as it's not City or Chelsea, it's fine. Right, Come on. For sure. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen Everton, speaking of my boys, I've seen a couple places that have them at plus 700 to go down. I yeah. actually don't think that's a terrible price. They're, depending they're fine. On what, 
They're fine, Saruti. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. They should have. Yeah, they listen. They had a great result again. They probably should have beat Brighton, but even getting a draw against Brighton was a good was a good uh, result for them. Uh, but I, I'm just worried about that second deduction. Is it going to be another yeah. three to four points they might lose? Like, you never know. That they can, I still they can think they'd be fine. I still think they're fine if they lose points. I think you're right. I think you're right. But uh, but ultimately, I'm, I'm still going to probably have to bite my nails until the end of the season. Oh, yeah. That's, can we, can we, that's the way the forest. you got to do it. You're an Everton guy. Can we talk quickly about Gio Reyna? We're going to do some U.S. stuff a little bit later. But holy Christ. Um, we thought this was bad. But it, 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 yeah. it couldn't be any worse. I mean, I'll just no. give you a couple stats, and I'll, I'll lay it off to you. Five matches so far with... Uh, with Geo at Forest, zero starts, one healthy scratch, thirty-eight total minutes, zero goal contributions. Yeah, that's not good. Great, great loan. Good start. No, I mean you saw all my stats. He's got a shot. He's got one chance created. Uh, again, the thirty-eight minutes. You know, you can't really expect maybe a ton more than that. But yeah, I mean, what do we always say about anybody going anywhere? Is he going to play? Like that's the number one thing. And so he's gone from not playing a ton or as much as he would like for Dortmund to not playing for Forest. So this is just. I don't know. I feel like it's just kind of, all right, can we get through this year and then reboot, you know, figure out. Yeah. You know, I think Dortmund signed him an extension. So, but where is he going to be next year, whether it's there or somewhere else? Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of almost chalking the season up uh, to please don't get hurt as much as anything. Just make it healthy through the year. That's all we want. Be healthy for Copa. It's, it sucks because, and we're obviously recording this before. So United play for us. Recording this on Wednesday morning. United play for us in the FA Cup later today. So who knows? Maybe he's in the starting lineup and he gets a good run of play, and everybody there gets excited. And, we, and and this is a stupid segment, but man, I this is such a dumb comp. I'm I'm saying it's a dumb comp right off the bat. But uh-huh. I thought about this last night. Okay, I'm kind of worried he's like turning into Zion Williamson in a way <laughs> where like he. He's this incredibly talented, gifted player because I yeah. do think he's technically the best player that the U.S. has. Like I just think he is. Okay, um, I'm I'm willing to hear arguments, but I would yeah, say he's the yeah. best one. Yeah, it's reasonable. But this like combination of off the court problems, injuries, his mentality. Like I'm just worried. I'm worried. I and, and it sucks because I'm like watching this guy that we had so much promise for, being like this this guy could be better than Pulisic. Like he could literally be our best offensive attacker, or uh, you know, a player on yeah, the pitch. Yeah. And now, like, there's just all these little things that keep knocking him down from where he was supposed to be. So I know it's stupid, but that was that's what I was thinking last night, Paul. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I mean, yeah, Reina's a little more like, and maybe it's even worse in this way. Like, Reina has an obvious fit. You know, Zion is always a little bit undersized, things like that. Uh, you know, how's he gonna? There were always kind of those questions, even in college, where he was obviously super talented, but wasn't the perfect NBA fit. Reina has an obvious fit. You know, maybe in too many places or something. So in, in that way, it's even more kind of painful because, like I said, Reyna's upside is the best player in the pool. And it's not there. Is Zion's upside like the best player in the league? No, probably not, but best player Top on your team. five-ish, I think. He's, yeah. He, yeah, he's that good. Like I, Zion's incredible when he's yeah. right. So, yeah, it's just, it's it's frustrating. You just want to see him play. You just want to see him do something. Uh, and get past all the off-the-field stuff that's happened over the last year where I feel like it's, the longer he doesn't play and you know, has these on the field questions, then that off the field stuff just keeps hanging over too. And and maybe that's more of a you know an outsider media perspective than he's dealing with it himself. But it's just part of the narrative right now. And you know, we see those build and build and all right, let's do this. Champions League. We we have a couple takeaways from the Champions League. So obviously we're at the midway point. We'll do. We'll get into because next week in the next two weeks, really, we're going to have uh, the second leg of the round of sixteen knockout tie. So we'll get to the individual games uh, as they come in the future. But we're at the halfway point. I want to throw it to you because you've got a gripe. You you got a bone to pick with, with with a specific team. So I'll let you. I'll I'll just give you the floor. All right. 
nothing frustrates me more in soccer than these two-leg series where the better team plays for a draw on the road in the first leg, whether it's you know, the U.S. going to Central America, whether it's, in this case, Arsenal going to Porto. Porto not as good as they were even just last year. Arsenal is top three team in Europe. You are by far the better team. One of your big advantages in a two-leg series is that there are two legs. You have longer periods of time to prove that you are better. So why are you throwing away half of that time? Didn't say, ah, we'll just get them at home. Will you? This is soccer. Weird things happen. And I'm trying to imagine this happening in another sport. Like, an NBA team is not going to punt completely on game six from the start just because it's on the road and they have game seven at home. And that's kind of what Arsenal did here. And it just drives me crazy. Now, I had Arsenal. So maybe that's some talk through my bets. But I was actively rooting against them by the end of this. They totally deserve to lose. They didn't try to score. And look, give credit to Porto. They defended well. But teams have been doing this to Arsenal all season, and Arsenal's broken them down. They only had seven shots, their fewest in a game. They only had their fewest passes in the attacking third, fewest in the attacking half this season. And they didn't try to win this game when they could have completely put it away. And now they're absolutely deservedly on the proverbial knife's edge going home. And it drives me crazy. I could not agree more. And it's, you know, it's the, it's the thing of like, oh, I, I heard some Arsenal fans being like, well, we just didn't play well. It's like, no, you didn't even play. You didn't even try to play. Right. right. Like, you'd it, watch the game. Like, it, you didn't, there were just like no runs being made. You were so cautious. And that's yeah. just not the Arsenal team. And I agree with you. Like, why are you leaving this up to one game? And now you're down. So, right. like, what, and what, what if you get a red card in the 10th minute or something of this game? You know, there's always yeah. just single if things you, can knock you out of Champions League three rounds early. If you tried to beat Porto, in right. the first leg, and you lose two one, right. you're in the same Fine. spot as you are right now. Yeah, like you're, like it's okay. Like you're still down a goal, and the away goals thing. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Doesn't matter. So, right. what's the what what is the point of not trying to play? And right. I, so I I totally agree with you. I know it's hard to play in Portugal. I know Porto and yes. Benfica and Sporting. Like I I know Arsenal lost Sporting last year in the Europa League, and I know plenty of people. I've seen it with Roma many times. If you go to Portugal, it's a hard place to play. Those teams are like well drilled and they're difficult. But what is the point? of losing 1-0 and not trying. And when you, when you could have tried and had the same result, the right. same result, and, and you would probably would have had a better result if you actually tried to play, especially on the offensive end. So I thought that was, I was disgusted by it, quite frankly. Like, I yep. hated it. And it, it, this, I guess, opens up sort of a bigger picture thing that, that we'll get to here because I saw a bunch of people talking um, about just kind of like there aren't, it seems like there's less goals scored in the Champions League knockout stages now. Yes. And... Why, what's the reason for that? Now, in 2021, they got rid of the away goals rule, which, for anyone that didn't know, basically, like, if you were tied at the end of the two legs, whoever had more away goals won the tie, which I think is incredibly flawed, and I'm yeah. not upset that they took it away, but I also understand why the idea is basically to, to, to prevent things like this from happening, so that Arsenal right. would have to go on the road and attack at Porto, right. so that, like, they You're would incentivize so those the goals away make team sense. in the first leg, especially, because there were so many... Times the away team would just sit there and defend and be happy to go home with a draw. Correct. Uh, that was the theory. And frankly, the rule goes back to the 70s when uh, the other option essentially was replays and travel was different and it was just a different time of travel uh, and sport in general. So that's kind of where it originated and you know, it's just very different 30 plus years later. Before I get into the numbers, are you, are, were you pro or against the away goals rule? Um, pro on the whole. I do miss some of the drama when one goal takes you from losing to advancing. That I yep. miss. Uh, what I don't miss is when you know one t- the road team goes out and scores in the second leg, and some of the other team means like five instead of you know three. Mm-hmm. So that I don't miss. But so on the whole, pro I do miss a little of that knife's edge drama you get 
you know, once or twice in a round. I agree. Logically, I don't think it makes sense. I do think it, it has lessened the drama quite a bit. But all right. So one of the things that I saw, and this is from Anthony DeBundo, who's at the Action Network, who does a great job there. He said since the knockout ties went away from the away goals rule, okay. unders are 28-7-1 in Champions League first leg knockout Jeez. ties. That's an 80% clip. Seven out of eight in this round? Yeah. Should have. They were, they were seven and one to the under in this cycle alone. The only one that went over was Man City, Copenhagen, when it was a 3-1 game. Everyone, every other one was either zero goals, one goal, or two goals. And if for those wondering, the second legs are 13-14-1 to the over. So it's a little bit more even. Or it's yeah, things get weird. Completely even. So there's clearly something going on. So I was like, all right, like, but has it always been this way? Like, maybe we're just misremembering. So I went back. And, you know, I know this isn't maybe the most perfect thing in the world, but the, as I mentioned, the Uego rules, got, they got rid of it the summer of 2021. So the 2022, 2023, and then 2024. So this year, we've had no away goals rule. So I took those and compared them to the three previous seasons. One of those, which was including a COVID year, um, where only the round of 16 ties, I believe, were played on, a, on yeah. home and away soil. Yeah, so I, I actually left those in because they end up, I, I didn't include the neutral site games, though, at all. So I did okay. leave those in. So just so natural home games. Natural home games, exactly. So this is this is how the goal the goal situation breaks down, first leg, second leg. So when there was no away leg rule, so this is the last three years or so. Okay. First leg, the average is 2.2 goals a match in the first leg. 2.2. So that's low. Last three years. Um, okay. And the second leg is 2.89. So there's a, a decent jump yeah, there. That jibes with the, yeah, unders hit a lot. And it's more of a coin flip in the second leg, if it, assuming two and a half, yeah. Before, the, la- the three seasons before the away goal rule, uh, but when, when they still had the away goal rule, first legs were 2.48. So about a quarter of a goal a game better in those three seasons. So clearly the scoring has been down. And honestly, if, if you look at it, 2022, 2023, 2024, it's gone down. The goals have gone down every year in the first leg. Hmm. It's t- it, it was 2.79 in 2022, 2.07 in 2023, and this year it's 1.75. So they've, I don't know if it's like a tap where these the coaches and managers and teams are like, hey, it's just it's it's better for us to just not try to do anything in the first leg. But they have incrementally gone down year after year. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I guess it makes sense because I mean that's kind of what the point of the away goals rule is: get that first leg away team to do something and now they don't now they have less incentive to do it um, and especially for these this round of 16 we have the better team on the road in the first leg in theory the better team at least the top seed they're even more content to go home Arsenal and try to do it that way so yeah I guess it makes sense uh, I got more though here's where it gets yeah, crazy okay, keep going here's where it gets crazier so as I mentioned with the away goals rule 2.48, so about a quarter goal more than it has been without the away goal over the last three years. Okay. The second leg mm-hmm. averages, without with the away goal rule, averaging 3.57 goals per game in the second. Like a massive jump. Uh, so, well, almost Currently. So it has jumped since the rule change. No, no, it has. Oh, it, it's it gone down. The away goals rule. Got it. There got were it, way okay. more goals with okay. the away goals rule right. in place than there are now. And that's by a, a, a jump of 0.68 right. yeah. goals right. per game more before when the away goal rule was implemented. And I think there's a couple of theories on that. So basically, yeah. cl- clearly scoring has been way down since this is this has gone on, since right. the away goal rule was taken away. And specifically in the second legs, and I'm almost wondering, there's two things. You know, is it because 
you know, there's maybe more goals in that first leg so that some teams have to get real wild right. in the second leg. Probably a little because, bit, yeah. Yeah, like the, the, the ties are typically tighter now in the first leg than maybe they have ever been before. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's why not only has it hurt the first leg, but it's actually hurt the scoring in the second yeah. leg because teams are still playing tight in the second leg because matches are much tighter. I so I don't, that, I don't know. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I mean, because, yeah, if you can uh, score away goals are there and it, you know, counts double or whatever, people are going to be in, they need to score more. Like, it's just going to happen. We're like, okay, now we need two. And so they're going to at least yes. go for it and uh, opens up one way or the other. So yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. I, I hadn't really thought of it, how it would affect the second leg because so much focus was on that first leg and just getting someone to do something. Uh, but it does it does make sense just because, again, you essentially have more goals by using the away goal rule and more goals, we get more goals, et cetera. So yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting that everything's just tightened up on both sides or both legs of the series so far. So I, I you know, Again, this you can take a bigger sample size. Like this is just three yeah, years versus something. three year comparison size. But clearly, goals with the away goal rule, there are way more goals in games. Period. So, so now, we need one to bookmark this for a year from now, before the round of sixteen next year, so we remember, and maybe even two weeks from now, before the quarterfinals. Why right. don't we just take all unders? I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I bet the under on the first leg of the quarters right now? Under two and a half. You would have went. You would have went seven and one this year. Seven and one. That's a nice oh. little tidy profit. The one thing I will say once we close this out, it do, In looking back. I was going through like the UEFA website and like all the stuff, whatever. Yeah. There were a lot of seven goal games, six goal games, yeah, five there was always, goal games. Uh, like Bayern winning through. seven one. They just you smoked know. Salzburg. Was it last year, I think? Like eight to two on aggregate or whatever it was. But there were way more before the away goals rule uh was taken away. Hmm. And and so I and the, the but the only problem with that is I do think we we talked about this last pod. There I think the the like the elite of the elite, there aren't as many like great clubs anymore yeah. you know barca's down chelsea's not in there anymore you know they're they there used to be like five six seven teams that were just like kind of right. dominant psg is down right yeah. and i think maybe that it, could it's that contribute to the scoring you know potentially like these there, there aren't like these lopsided ties anymore that there used to yeah. be maybe two three years ago and that goes through cycles so maybe that's just something that's yeah. come and, back and the top but, teams have like all the top leagues are guaranteed four you know there were a couple times you'd have one less you know top team in there um that, that has something to do with it I feel like the bottom is like the bottom of the round of 16. Those teams are better in general mm-hmm. than even Copenhagen. You know, they lost three one to city, but they didn't look like terribly out of place. Uh, and that's, you're talking about, you know, a, a mid tier type of European champion of sorts. So that might be part of it. Just more depth on the whole. Uh, the shame is, you know, I said a year from now, we should bookmark this, but you know, who knows what it's going to look like a year from now once they get through the Swiss format. Uh, well, we'll headers, still, it, I got to go figure out a new. I'm gonna need like a break between Copa and Euros in the club season just to figure out what the heck is going on in Champions League next year. Well, I, to, if I could correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe the knockout round is still the same. It's just how you get there. I think so. Did they add a 32? I don't know. They might have. No, added I think 32. I think it's I think it's still, still 16 because there's now there's like there's there's groups. Right. There's then, a Swiss league. You only play some teams. All that. Yeah. Stuff. Which you know whatever. But I do think once you get like it, it's once okay, you get the so, knockout, so we'll be 16, fine. Normal. We get to the so business gets, end. It'll be fine. So, so we'll be we'll be betting that next year. We'll bookmark yeah. that, as you said. Yeah, so, just that. to just to just to review again, because I I threw way too many numbers at people. But the away goal rule, you know, with no away goal rule, so the last couple years, two point two goals in first legs, two point four eight the three years before that with the away goal rule, and then the big jump is the second leg. It goes from two point eight nine to three point five seven. So clearly, yeah. there were way more goals when the away goal rule was happening. So this so, is all Arsenal's fault. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, this is all. Uh, yeah, it's easy to blame Arsenal. Yep. Yeah. What are we I doing? Got it. What are we doing? Uh, okay. Uh, speaking of Champions League, let's do this. Any, as I said, we'll get to the actual matchups next week and kind of who we like in, in the games themselves. But 
Anything that you like on the like just to advance sector? I've been looking. I mean, Lazio to advance against Bayern plus two twenty five. I mean, they're up one nil. I know they're going to Germany, but still, Lazio were eighth in Serie A. They have nothing to play for. They're probably not going to be in the Champions League next year. This is probably their Super Bowl. I'm I'm not saying I'm doing it, but you can convince me that that's not a terrible price. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I feel like you know I could try to find the price on Napoli. I feel like I could talk myself into Napoli plus two twenty five. Plus two twenty five. Sure. Yep. Again, that's more against Barcelona than anything else. But Napoli was, you know, I wasn't sure they were going to take, uh, did they have a shot at, they had no shots at halftime, I think, mm-hmm. or one shot, like over under for total shots in the game is going to be like one and a half, I think I told you at halftime. So I'm not convinced Napoli is anything, especially if Osiman's not 100%. But that's again, more of a fade of Barcelona and I don't believe in them. So, I mean, you could talk me into that one. What about Atletico? Plus two twenty five no. at I, home no. against Inter. It's only nope. one nil. It's only one nil. Yeah, All they in, need is a, it, Inter should know. have a couple more goals. Although Atletico, like Atletico, is probably happier with a one nil loss than Inter is the one nil win. They should add that. Um, I'm a, I'm just all in on the Inter bandwagon right now. I think, yeah, Atletico did nothing until they absolutely had to, and they had a, you know, Murad had that decent header late, uh, things like mm-hmm. that. But I just think Inter's too good. You know, maybe they give up one, but they'll go get at least one themselves too. So I'm not interested in Atletico here. I don't disagree. I'm just throwing it out there for yeah, you know for yeah. content's sake. For content's yeah. sake, you know, you never know. Maybe we'll get some people to bite on that because it is athletic. What's the uh, what's know. the PSP Dump. Dortmund line? I think. Line hold on. Let me bring this. I up. Should have pulled it on myself. But I mean, that's the kind of series where, again, it, I'd say the first leg wasn't quite as chaotic as we thought it might be, uh, uh, but still, you know, decent chances. So it was just a little cagier. I feel like the second leg, almost anything's on the table as far as you know. Either way, so, you know, I could see either team putting up two or three. Uh, and get through. So if there's a decent price on PSV, that might be something I'm interested in. All right, so PSV is one, plus 115. That, that's not as good as I was hoping. I was hoping mm. more of the plus 150 range. So, I mean, again, it wouldn't surprise me. What's, what's BBB? Uh, minus 155. No. Yeah, that's too that. juicy for me. Um, yeah, nothing else. It's super. I mean, you want to get weird and take like a Sociedad shot at plus 650? Sure. Uh, I feel like I need better. I need better than that. 2-0 is just, Yeah, you know. that's tough. Yeah, are you gonna you're gonna shut PSG out? Probably not. So then you got to score at least three. Yeah, uh, and then talk an yeah. extra time. Yeah, you talked me out of that quickly. Uh, if it was like closer to a thousand, maybe, but it would never be there. So we're we're gonna Porto pass on plus one sixty five. I mean, I'm just bitter at Arsenal, so I probably better stay away from that game. Uh, Again, it'd have to be more one sixty five. I think so. They can get a nil nil. Uh, who knows? I you know if but, they score, it'll be interesting. I, I'll tell you that. I hope they do score. But, yeah, if I had to uh, take one of the underdogs, I'd probably still go to Napoli at plus two twenty five. Again, I don't love it. And it's again, it's more of a Barcelona fade than a pro Napoli, but I just feel like that if, it wouldn't shock me at all if Barcelona laid an egg there. Yeah, I think Napoli or La- the two Italian teams, Napoli or Lazio, are probably the two that I would look at, even though I don't love either of them, and I'm certainly not going to back Lazio, as you know. But uh, you know, we <laughs> maybe we've under we have underestimated just how bad the the, the Bayern thing has been <laughs> through some of our bets recently. Yeah, so maybe this I, is kind of the fade of that. I still but think, yeah, yeah, you mentioned get, I don't know how healthy they'll be, you know, a week from now for that game, but. I, I can't go against Bayern in Munich. Yeah, and Lazio are going to be coming off of a, a big Friday game against Milan coming up this week, so who knows? Maybe spend a lot of energy there. All right, like I said, we'll be back next Monday with the uh, with the, with the picks for each game on the Champions League, so um, check us out then. We'll, we'll be you know a little bit more in-depth there. So let's, uh, let's close it out here. Americans abroad, this is a good segment idea that you had last week that we didn't have time for, but I definitely want to get to, and that is... What the heck's going on with our forward situation? We yeah. got a lot of interesting guys, really three kind of that are standing out, I guess, and three for potentially two spots. And that's Florian Balogun, that is Ricardo Pepe, and that is Josh Sargent. 
You mentioned we've got Nations League coming up, so there's potentially fighting for that roster. Obviously, there's fighting for the Copa this summer, just in general, fighting for, you know, what those places are going to be. When we brought in Balogun, it was like, this is our number nine of the future. He's like a plug-and-play guy, and it it hasn't really worked out that way for him at Monaco since that big transfer from Arsenal this offseason. So I'll kind of open the floor to you first. I've got a bunch of notes on this, but where do you want to take it? Yeah, so you got those three guys. You presume they're just going to get two two of them called in. I mean, you could call in three, but realistically, only two are probably going to play significant minutes, at least in Nations League, when you have two games. You might get three for a tournament, and you need a little more depth. Uh, and, I mean, just broadly, they're, kind of, they're all three kind of different players, I think. You know, Balogun is pretty clearly at his best in transition. And I think part of the reason he hasn't been as good with Monaco is because they have more of the ball, you know, about mm-hmm. 54% compared to 48% for wrongs. Uh, his shot volume is down about 10%. His shot quality is down about 40%. And a lot of that is because in transition, you get better shots. Uh, he's also not taking penalties after he missed a couple, had a couple saved uh, and missed one so far this season. So, he's missed four this season. Four yeah, penalties. Yeah, sorry, the fourth season. one. That's right. Yeah. Um, so Not great. I still think he's score. best in that spot. I think there is a question of, is he the best when you have to break down a bunkering CONCACAF type of team. And then you have Ricardo Pepe, who's kind of your, more of a classic number nine, get in the box, get the goals. He's got eight goals for PSV uh, in only 545 minutes, so basically six games of action. He's got eight goals, but he's only started twice. So, you know, that could be a pro or a con. I don't know how we would do against, you know, I'll call them good teams broadly for the U.S. You know, of his 10 goals, nine have been against you know, not top teams, mostly from CONCACAF. Uh, and Josh Sargent has been in great form for Norwich. He's got five goals in his last five games, 10 goals this season. He's a little bit of both, like number nine in the box, but I think he moves a little bit better than Pepe, especially coming back to get the ball and such. Uh, he hasn't played for the U.S. since the World Cup. Now, Burhalter obviously wasn't there for all of that. Sargent's in good form. So those are the three. And they're all different players. I kind of feel like, I mean, you definitely have to take Balogun to Copa because you're going to not have the ball. And I feel like Balogun's probably the one who's definitely on the roster just because he brings something a little bit different and a little bit of class that probably isn't there. I could go either way for the other two. Uh, I think I think it's a tough decision. Uh, it, it really kind of depends what you want. If, if you want someone to come back and get the ball more, do you want someone to just stay up there and, and do something like Pepe? Um, yeah. What do you think? Looking at those three, what are you thinking? I'm with you. I think, I think you know, we, you can't turn your back on, on Balogun now, yeah. right? I, don't, I also am not that worried. Like, I think he's fine. Yeah, he, he's, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not concerned. Everything... Everything you mentioned, he different system. He still he just scored in their most recent game. He had a, it was if you haven't seen it, like it was an incredible. It was against Lons. He basically yeah, like impressively physically, yeah. yeah, beat the guy down the left side, kind of shielded him off, got central, falling down, nice finish. I mean, yeah. the guy's good. Like because he had like, space. Just, you know that's what he needs. He needs a little yeah. bit of space to make those runs. You know, two of his three goals for the U.S. have been in transition. Uh, so yeah, he needs just a little bit of room. And you know, if we're looking at Nations League, you're playing Jamaica in the semis. Mexico, maybe Panama in the finals. Like against Jamaica, you can get space against that back line just because they've got, you know, they tend to be a little more open and Mexico mm-hmm. would have more of the ball. So just transition opportunities. So yeah, Balogun's got to be on that Nation League roster. All right. So then this is where it gets interesting. It does. I, I think it's Sargent. I think if, you, I, if, you're, if you're making me pick, I think you've got to go Josh Sargent. Because all right, do. 10 goals, one assist for Norwich in the championship. He's averaging, what, 0.95 goals per 90. Dean Smith, his former manager at Norwich, who's the current uh, Charlotte FC manager, he was just on CBS and said that basically that Sargent could absolutely play in the EPL again with or without Norwich and that he doesn't have a ceiling right now. Like he wow. was that high on wow. Josh Sargent. Hercules Gomez, our guy, uh-huh. ESPN, 
said that Sargent is the most talented striker that we have. Ooh. Now, that's a hot take. I like it. It is a hot take. I, I Listen, I'm not sitting here telling you I'm grinding championship tape, but I do think it's a tougher league than, like, that's, I know it's the secondary league, obviously, versus, like, the Eredivisie, which is obviously the number one Dutch league. But as we talked about, goals in the Dutch league are like CVS coupons. Like, you get, <laughs> there's a million of them. Like, they're just, right. they're giving them out to everybody. There's an and exchange I'm rate. I'm not trying to take away from what Pep, because I'm happy that Pepe has figured it out, because obviously Osberg was a disaster. He should have never went there in the first yeah. place. They don't play his style. Um, but he does play at a PSV team that is the far and away the best team in the Dutch league. They are running away with the title. And could I just, this is, I'm going to come off as a hater here, Paul. Oh. But could I, could I just run through some of the goals that he scored this year? Yeah. And just like the context of them. So I, he, yeah, they're all just, late. I'll, I'll go backwards to forwards. One, 86th minute to make it 7 1. <laughs> Seven, 79th minute to make it 4-1. 78th minute to make it 2-0. Now, he did score an added time against Sevilla in the Champions League, so credit to him. 90th minute winner to make it 6-0. Added time to make it 4-0. 87th minute penalty to make it 4-0. So these one are not, goal of real, one or maybe two goals of real consequence. These are not real significant goals. If we're yeah, t- like, that's the they're not like them. winners. And again, I'm ha- he's coming off the bench. Sometimes he's playing on the left. Like he's not, it, I, he's, he is versatile, as you said. Um, but I, I, I'm just not trying to get ahead of ourselves again. Yeah. Like I'm not, this, I don't, a, a corner has been turned, but he's not like all of a sudden the second coming. Like I think you got to add a little bit of context to yeah. what his goal is on right now. And I do think he's really valuable. We'll say Copa when you can probably carry three forwards. I think he's really valuable in a bench role like that where you need a goal late. You need someone to get in the box and you need someone with fresh legs. Like that's what we've seen him do several times with the US. I think that's a great position for him. I'm not sure I want to start him against, say, Mexico or something. And I always scored against Mexico, but again, that was off the bench uh, when the US had the lead. So yeah, if I think he's great for a Copa thing, it's a really tough call to me to include him in. Nations League if you only have two guys up top. Maybe they play all three. Um, I'm not sure. There's also the Berhalter factor. He obviously left Pepe off the roster. Now, Pepe was in terrible form at that time. So so that's a little bit different. They left him off the World Cup roster. Um, And I'm not saying like Berhalter's going to hold a grudge or anything. But again, we're just working off the precedent that we have where he may prefer the kind of player and the things that Sargent can do and has proven he can do at Norwich for the last couple months. All right, so we're on the same page. Like this isn't this isn't an anti peppy situation, but yeah. you're making us choose too. Like I just think Sargent's earned it. Like championship is hard. It's hard to score goals in that league. So brutal. And honestly, that we talked about the best thing that's ever happened for him was them going down to the championship, so he could actually just like play normally instead of just basically defending for ninety minutes a game when you're, you're saying, trying to yeah, save your life and not in the playing out of right wing. And things like yeah, that. and he's healthy now, which is which is what it seems like. So I I'm I'm all for giving Josh Sargent a, a little run here. I'm, I'm not even. I might even start him over Balogun. I'd bring Balogun. But, like, in certain situations, like, I think it's worth giving him a look. I think he's that good. Just the championship point. They've played 34 games so far this year. So, that's eight more than the Premier League has on top of all the cup games. And they still have 12 more. So, they have more games left than the Premier League teams. And they've played, it's just so many games. 46 games on top of two cups, at least. That's why when you get relegated, you know, we Leicester's going to come back up. It looks like, and they're yeah. they're too big for for probably the championship anyway. And they were kind of an underdog to even get relegated in the first place. But like, if you're, you know, that's why I was worried. Like Everton going down. Like, oh, people just say, oh, you just come back up the championship, no. whatever you run through it. You're like, dude, some of these clubs, like, you know, Stoke's about to get relegated from the championship. Right. They, they 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 went down, never came back up. Right. Um, it's hard, man. Like some of these teams, they just you just stay there. It's an absolute just like slog of a grind, and. 
you know, like there's more money in the game than ever. I mean, the championship, I think, is like the what the sixth or seventh richest league in the Something world, like too. That, yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's not it's not it's a good league and it's really hard to get out of. So um, it'll be interesting to see what, what Sarge's future is there at Norwich. But I yep. think, you know, the good the good news is we clearly have options. And that's that's what we right. didn't have for right. a very this long is, time. This is much better than, well, we've got this one guy and then maybe we can move a winger up top or something yeah. like that. Yeah, should, we, should Tim Weah fall to Pulisic false right. nine? All these talks about yep. that just, uh, yeah, not 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 good. Um, all right, before we get the best bets, quick couple shout outs. Chris Richards, great header goal. Yeah. Palace over Burnley over the weekend. Shouts to him. And shouts out to Weston McKenney, two assists to Dusan Vlavic and Juve's last one over the weekend as well. He's becoming like one of Juve's best midfielders, which is hilarious. That's great. Uh, but, <laughs> so. Wait, yeah, wait. Is that great or is it an indictment on Juve? I'm not sure. I think it's, it's not both, a bad thing. but it's yeah. but hey, they're they're going to be a Champions League team next year, so right. like he's he's doing it for and a, you still have like to a, do it. Yeah, it's not like yeah, he's not bad and the second best midfielder. He's good. Yeah, and they're, and they're best midfielder. Yeah, is he knocking Pirlo, Marchisio, Vidal right, out right, of a midfield? Right. Probably not. So. But you know, Pogba probably not. But you know what? This version of Juve, we'll we'll take it. It's okay. Yep. Uh, okay. All right. Best bats as we close this thing out. We were both one and two last week. Just another boring week for us. But you're right. Stupid Arsenal let Arsenal. us down. Arsenal really screwed us here. Better. So we're both two, we're both two and four on the season. Uh, although you're doing better than me because you hit uh, what was your you hit one that was like plus 180 last week I believe. Yeah, I did. That was a long time ago. I forget what it was. But you're basically down a unit. I'm down two units. So we'll 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 try to turn this thing around this weekend. So you we'll give you the the lead here since you're you're uh, up more or you're 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 down less units than I am right now. <laughs> there we go. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go to England for all three of these picks. But I'm going to start with uh, Luton Town Aston Villa uh, over three and a half plus 134. This is Saturday. Both teams are in the top seven in goals, expected goals this season. Uh, Luton gives up the third most goals, the most expected goals. They both give up really good shots. Uh, you know, half the games collectively have gone over three and a half this season. And Villa's just a bully. They have seven games versus the bottom four teams. So four is Burnley, Luton, and Sheffield this season. Five of those seven had four plus goals. Villa scored three plus in five of them. Uh, and Luton scores at home. They scored an all but one home game this year. So, you know, this, has, this smells like a 3-1 Villa type of game to me. Over three and a half plus 134. We, for the, for the record, we do not uh, talk about our bets before this happens. I Uh-oh. don't have the exact same thing, but I have something very similar. I'm Uh-oh. going Villa double chance over two and a half minus 115. Uh, I don't think Villa lose this game, but you're right. Luton scored home and Villa scored a ton of goals. I mean, so I, I think this is, you know, could this be a 2-1, 2-2 very easily? You know, 3-1, who yeah. knows? If Villa really get going, but uh, I, I threw in the Villa double chance there in a little bit lower total, two and a half. But yeah, I, I think that the over three and a half is a good play too as well. But I'll, I'll slightly change on you there. But same game, same kind of idea. All right, let's see if you follow me on this one. Uh, Stay in England, Manchester Derby. This one's Sunday. Uh, talked about how Manchester United, I think, is a little bit smoke and mirrors this season. They're sixth in uh, the table, but their goal difference is uh, what zero, and they're eleventh in expected goal difference <laughs> at incredible. minus three. That's, that's yeah, it's, it's almost impressive. Uh, like that, uh, but so I think City rolls in this game. I will lay the goal in a half at minus one eighteen. Oh, oh. Uh, City won three 0 at Old Trafford in October, and it was that dominant. They've won six of thirteen home games by two plus goals. And Holland and De Bruyne are back. They started five games together this year. City scored three goals in let's see, four of those five. And the other one, they outshot Chelsea thirty-one to nine, and somehow only scored once. So I think City is just rolling, and United's not that good. So I'll lay the goal in a half for City at minus one eighteen. I had the same exact. I don't know if this is good or bad, but I literally have yeah. the same exact thing. Man City minus one and a half, minus one eighteen. We're doomed. Um, this is probably not a good sign, so maybe it's worth fading us here. But yeah, I, I, United aren't good. They're just not. And right. I know historically they've had success against City. Yeah, they. I they don't get torched they, by some of these good teams. You know, we've seen it against Liverpool and City a lot the last few years. And and that was obvious. That was under Ali more than it was. It was, uh, it was. Ten Hag too. Like I, I just 
you know, clearly Ten Hag and Rashford aren't speaking. Anthony's on his way out the door. Like, I, there's just, I don't know. Like, I, I thought about, like, do I take Man City money line and then over two and a half maybe just in case, like, it's a 2-1 or, like, you know, United get a goal. But I just, I, the price wasn't as good as minus 118. So, yeah, I'm with you. Man City minus one and a half, like, 2-0, two, 3-1, two 3-0, three who knows? They probably roll here. So, all right. I think they've found their form again. All right, close. I don't think there's a chance that you have my last one, but you never <laughs> okay. know. Yeah, I, probably not. But So, this one is, this one's actually Monday. Uh, but Sheffield hosting Arsenal. I have, I guess this is the Saruti special for me. Arsenal win, both teams to score no. Or Arsenal win to nil, depending on what book you got. So, an Arsenal shutout win, I feel like this is pretty straightforward. We've talked about they have the best defense, fewest goals, fewest expected goals, give up the worst shots. Most shutouts in the league. Sheffield's dead last in goals and possession and has been shut out more than any other team in the league. I don't feel like it needs a lot more analysis than that. Arsenal win. Both teams to score no, minus 115. I had that bet last week where I had the I had the one, two, or three to nil mm-hmm. Arsenal to win against Newcastle. And they scored, they you scored know, two goals lot. quick. Then they got the four. And then Newcastle got one late. I do feel like, I don't know, I felt a little hard, hard done by that because it did feel like that was, you know, probably should have been a, a three yeah. nil at worst. But... I do like that idea when it comes to Arsenal because Arsenal are like the t- 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 you know the Tenille Kings and yep. uh, just with the way they play defensively. So I, I like that a lot. But that is not my bet. So I actually wrote down three different things here, Paul. Okay. <sighs> I wrote down the Milan double chance at Lazio and under two and a half, which is plus one seventeen. But I don't, I don't know. Lazio are kind of they scare me a little bit. I wrote down Burnley, Bournemouth, both teams to score over two and a half. Yep. Minus one eleven. But don't hate it. I actually was on Bournemouth yesterday in the cup against Leicester, both teams to score. And oh. that game should have, again, I, whenever I bet both teams to score, I sometimes get screwed on this. I feel like it's like, you know, the XGs are both over two and I'm sitting here still a nil-nil somehow in the 82nd minute. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> um, so I might stay away from that. How about this one? Because okay. I want to get something with a little bit of plus money. I'm going to bank on the Liverpool Carabao Cup hangover a little bit here. Oh, okay. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Forrest plus one and a half and the over two and a half in the game at plus 154. So Liverpool could win 2-1. 2 Liverpool, yeah. Uh, I, 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 Forrest score, and it could be 2-2, whatever. For, like Forrest score at home, and Liverpool have been known to give up goals. We, you talked about their stats before. I think there's a little bit of a hangover coming off the celebration from the Cup. This is, you know, obviously in Forrest. Um, I I think Liverpool probably get it done, but I think it's probably closer. I think there's goals. So I like the, pun, the plus 154 here. So I know it's a little bit risky, but I'm going gonna, I'm yeah. to take that. Forrest plus one and a half over two and a half against Liverpool. I don't hate it. It's one of those, and, I mean, you'll feel this way too. You'll hate rooting hate for it. it. It's Every not second fun of the game. to bet. You know, anytime you're taking the, you know, you're the massive underdog in whichever way you're taking them, you just want to like hide under the couch the whole time. But I, I don't hate the rationale behind it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be like 2-1 in the, you know, 88th minute and, you know, Liverpool will be knocking on the right. door. I'm going to be, God damn it, guys. Just like, just, right. just call like, off the horses here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I, but I want to get something a little bit higher in the plus money and, and it's, it's obviously tough, like doing this too on a Wednesday, like right, you know, I'm, right. I'm probably getting change. more into it on a Friday, but, sure. but, uh, felt like we get a little spicy on the last one. So yeah. there you go. All right. Let's uh, hope we can improve on our, on our two and four records here going forward, but we'll, we'll bounce back. I have faith in us. Um, okay. All right. That'll do it. Good show, Paul. So what, what's, I think we're going to record next, probably like Monday night, maybe All right. or Monday evening to Champions League second leg. post sure. for the Champions League second leg. Yeah. So yeah, check out the feed, uh, either Monday night or Tuesday morning. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll break down kind of the the four, the four matchups and and kind of going forward and get back into our Champions League group. So thanks as always to our guy Paul Carr, who's at the combine this week, by the way, helping out all these NFL teams. Appreciate yep. you for Mindy. Thanks yep. to our guy Stefan Anderson for producing. And uh, best of luck to everyone's bets. We'll catch you next week. See you guys.
Must be 21 and up in president select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona. 1-888-789-789. 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK in New York.